Hi, you're tuning in to Rusty Thomas, where once a week he brings the brilliance of scripture to every dynamic of life. For the last 40 years, Rusty has served the Lord as a father, minister, and political figure on the streets, churches, and capitals in our nation and abroad. You are going to hear compelling truths that will prayerfully build up your faith and equip you to meet the challenges of life with the confidence of God's Word. This is Kingdom Moments with my father, Rusty Thomas. Well, howdy, brothers and sisters. You're with Kingdom Moments with Rusty Thomas. Glad you're here. God's grace and peace be unto you uh, in his holy name. So, um, been contemplating, talking things over with my daughter, Destiny Lee, uh, who's the brains behind this operation. Uh, we were discussing upcoming episodes, maybe some topics to cover. And uh, one of the things I did want to let you know, uh, I'm working on um, establishing an interview with none other, Pastor Matt Chuella, my covenant partner uh, in the Lord, who's been a great friend and uh, been by my side uh, during some very difficult days of loss and suffering, and I appreciate him so much. Uh, but anyway, I'm hoping to do two episodes with him uh, to discuss his personal background, you know, how he was raised, how he came to faith in Christ, and uh, the importance of family uh, in his life, and then uh, the second episode kind of cover more ministry aspects, you know, pastoring a church, the author of some great books, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate, and how God is using that uh, to change our nation today, county by county. So I'll be praying for that, brothers and sisters. We're both very busy guys, and we just got to work out the timing. Uh, but anyway, uh, hopefully that will be coming soon, and we'll get that up and published for you. And pray that will be an encouragement to your soul. Um, but for today's episode, uh, my daughter reminded me, Hey, Dad, you're getting older. You're becoming an old man. And i like, well, <laughs> you don't really need to remind me there, daughter. I'm, I'm starting to feel it getting weakened in the way here. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to have my birthday uh, June 12th, and I'm going to be 67 years old. Who would have thunk it that I would have lasted this long? And there's that old saying, if I had known I, I would live this long, I would have taken better care of myself. But uh, such as it may be, uh, I'm grateful for the years that the Lord has blessed me with. And, um, and of course, I want the, the remainder of the time he grants me to count for him and for his kingdom. So praise be to God. So anyway, my daughter recommended, hey, dad, how about like doing like, you know, you're going to be 67. Why don't you do some like birthday lessons? You know, like, you know, you, you know, at this age of your life, you know, could you maybe pass on uh, some important lessons in life? And, and I do want to remind you, brothers and sisters, that um, uh, I do pray that this podcast, these episodes do bless people, uh, that it encourages them and helps disciple and mentor them in the Lord. And um, But, you know, for my daughter who encouraged me to do this, um, she just really wanted to be able personally to pass on to her children her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. Um, she really wanted them to have something where they could hear my voice and uh, maybe receive uh, some wisdom uh, that the Lord has taught me through the years. She just wanted to be able to pass that on. And, you know, as a dad, that's, that's really, uh, that's, that's, that's a gift, right? That's a, that's a goodness to my soul that my daughter uh, would prize that in her life. And so very grateful uh, for that. 
Uh, it truly is a blessing. So anyway, I, I tried to think of, you know, some top lessons. So, you know, remember David Letterman, he had the, you know, the top 10 deal, right? You know, and, you know, he's come up with these weird top 10, you know, items. And so I thought about, well, what would be, you know, my top 10? Uh, when it comes to lessons, you know, that I've learned in life. So I'm going to give you briefly uh, top 10 lessons and uh, prayerfully that will be an encouragement uh, to your souls. Uh, maybe you could glean something and might help you in life. So first and foremost, um, you know, raised on the mean streets of Bridgeport, Connecticut, you know, raised by a hardcore marine atheist, you know, living the thug life, the gangster life, uh, you know, it came as a shock to my system uh, that God was real um, and that his love was genuine. Uh, I could remember uh, when he exploded into my life and it's like he blasted me, <laughs> like he blasted me. Uh, into his kingdom and it really did I mean it, it I was in shock and awe you know and I remember when the Lord saved me and when I came back home I was on fire I was radically changed I, I you know I had met the true and living God and and I was I was just shouting it from the rooftops you know in my family amongst the gangs you know, people on the streets, you know, he's alive, he's real. You know, he's not just a stained glass window. He's not just a church building on the corner. He's not some religious icon. He's a real person and he lives and it's real. And uh, so, yeah, when I got born again, when he birthed me into the kingdom and added me to uh, his church, you know, it it well it changed everything it radically changed everything so obviously the first and foremost lesson i learned uh there is a god and it's not me or you uh he has spoken and uh and he is real um it's not a fairy tale it's it's not a fantasy you know uh, he's a real person, and he is alive. Uh, he speaks, he touches, he moves, he convicts. Uh, he changes lives and souls, and he he radically changed my life uh, when I came to the saving grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. So first lesson in life, there is a God. He is real. He is alive, and uh, he came that we might have life and life more abundantly. And apart from him, it is literally hell. So that's the first big important lesson in life. Secondarily, as I uh, went along um, in my life, uh, there were years, uh, you know, after I got saved, uh, it was years before I met another Christian and uh, so, yeah, in some ways, I went through more hell uh, after I met Christ than when I didn't meet him. I was already in, in torment before I met him. But, you know, when you're not connected in the body of Christ, you're not a part of a church, you know, you're a little lamb out there. And, yeah, the wolves will come and just devour you and so, you know, after I met Christ, I, you know, I joined the military and, you know, I went to jails, mental hospitals, and, you know, the enemy just sifted me like wheat. And, and though, you know, I had walked away from God, you know, praise his holy name, he, he never walked away from me, he never gave up on me, and um, obviously I'm eternally grateful for that he's a good father you know and he will discipline us and he did um, but I remember when he was drawing me back uh, to himself that's when I was pursuing an acting career uh, in Hollywood and I had a manager with Columbia Pictures and maybe sometime I'll share um, that 
part of my testimony. It is wild. It's radical. Uh, it's miraculous. Most of you are not going to believe it. So sometimes I'm tempted not to share it because even my friends would go, yeah, he's, he, he took too many drugs. You know what I mean? Uh, but no, uh, very real happenings and miraculous interventions from the Lord to, to break me and to get me to submit to the call of God in my life. But uh, a real a powerful lesson and this is like the second sort of game changer in my life that has benefited me greatly when it comes to my relationship to God because when I came to Christ I had a, a very distorted view of how that relationship worked with Almighty God and I just had the mistaken you know premise that jesus was my savior and you know and by the way i love that name savior i mean so it's so precious uh and it means so much to me and i know those of you who have been dug out of a pit and come to the saving grace and knowledge of jesus christ you really know how precious that name is but, you know, I, I kind of believe that Jesus was Savior and that he punched my ticket so I don't have to go to hell, which is obviously a great deal, right? We don't have to suffer uh, forever, you know, and experience the, the pain and the sorrow and the regret, you know, for eternity. Uh, so, you know, what a, what a great deal, you know? <laughs> Um, and so I still, even though I was saved and I knew the Lord and he was drawing me back to himself, I, I still struggled with how I was supposed to relate to him. And so in my mind, he was savior, but to a large degree, I was still Lord. And so I had this mistaking belief in my approach to God, like, hey, you saved me, and I'm grateful for that, but pretty much from here on out, you exist, you know, kind of to bless uh, anything that I put my mind to. You know, whatever I want to do in life, you know, you <clears throat> pretty much exist to make sure uh, it's blessed and that you prosper the work of my hands. And so something extremely important was missing in that equation and that is Jesus Christ is Lord and so that became a very contentious issue between me and God and the Lord began to convict me like what part of Jesus Christ is Lord you're not getting in other words, son, I don't exist to please you. You exist to serve me. And so, yeah, you make your plans, but I direct your steps. And I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, when God put his finger on that specific issue in my life, that was a huge game changer. And it literally changed the projectile of my life and my purpose and the vision and mission of what it meant uh, to be, you know, a born again Christian man. So Jesus is not just Savior who saves us from hell, He is Lord. And so it literally came down to the point where, yeah, He was Savior, but I was still kind of sitting on the throne of my life. I was still kind of the, the Lord of my life. I, I was still making the decisions and, and, uh, and, and not asking God for guidance or direction. I'm just asking him to bless whatever I think and whatever I do. And I got to tell you, the Lord kind of pressed the issue and said, hey, son, uh, you need to stand up on the throne of your life you need to move out of the way and I need to sit down on the throne of your life I'm your 
Lord, your master, your God. And I, I got to be honest with you, that was not an easy transition. Uh, I think most of us struggle with that. Uh, but thanks be to God, he won that battle. And that's how I ended up giving up my acting career uh, to go uh, full time in, in service to the Lord. And I've put my hand to that kingdom plow and I've not looked back. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful the Lord fought with me on that and they won that battle. I could not imagine what would have happened to my life if I had my own stubborn way. Um, thank God he loved me enough to bust me up and to, you know, to really settle that issue in my life. And so, you know, those, those are two obviously big important lessons. And then, you know, uh, you know, I get married and start a family and, uh, right about that same time, God opens my eyes, breaks my heart and he births me into the battle. And, um, up until that point, I, I really did not have a biblical worldview, uh, concerning marriage, uh, family, or the importance of children. And it was through the horrors of abortion that God convicted me on the value of children. And so, you know, two things happened. First, he changed my eschatology. I was raised uh, dispensational, uh, but then through crying out to the Lord and studying the scriptures, you know, I came to the understanding of the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, boy, that was a huge game changer. Because honestly, um, if he didn't do that uh, before he birthed me into the battle, before I, I, I joined with Operation Rescue, Operation Save America, I probably would not have entered the battle um, because like most Christians today, they don't want to fight against child sacrifice, the shedding of innocent blood. They don't want to fight against the homosexual agenda or the transgendered movement. They view this as signs of the soon coming of Jesus Christ. So, you know, why bang your head against the wall? In fact, I had a, a lot of pastors, a lot of Christians saying, because I am fighting against these things, that I am delaying the second coming of Christ. Like I, like I have the power to do that, right? Like, but anyway, you, you get the dilemma, and I was of that mindset. And so God, in his mercy, he radically changed my eschatology, which gave me the faith and the courage to radically change my life. And so instead of, um, you know, having no children or a couple of children, um, we repented and God turned the life switch on and boom, the kids came with a vengeance. And altogether, the Lord has blessed us with 13 children. And uh, of course, he birthed us into the battle. And, uh, and we fought against this Holocaust and this perversion and... You know, through the years, the Lord has produced a lot of good kingdom fruit through that. And probably the most important thing that's happened through the years is I've been able, by God's grace, to pass on a multi-kingdom generational vision to my children. And now it's, it's invading my grandchildren. And so when I've asked my kids, like, you know, some things that they know, like, really help them in their walk with God, that's one of the things that they mention quite often. Uh, because my kids said, Dad, if, if people do not understand the kingdom of God, they're never going to get you. They're not, they're not going to get like who you are, you know, how you think, what you believe, and what you do in life. And it is so true, because when I came to the understanding of the kingdom, it changed everything. And so like every, like how I think, everything I see, uh, everything I observe, everything I do, ultimately, 
It is about advancing the kingdom of God in the earth. So that comes to my marriage, that comes to family, that comes to children, that comes to ministry, uh, that comes to business. Uh, it doesn't make a difference what area of life it may be. The gospel of the kingdom is the driving force uh, beyond, you know, behind our life and what we say and do. So that was uh, that was a huge lesson in life that changed everything uh, concerning uh, the Lord, uh, family, and ministry. Um, probably the fourth greatest lesson uh, is the understanding of true biblical manhood and true biblical masculinity. And so I think I've shared in times past, my dad you know, was a hardcore Marine atheist. Uh, he was rough and tough and hard to bluff. And I feared him more than the gangs on the street. And actually, God used that to help me to overcome and uh, live victorious uh, and through all the battles on the streets. And and so, uh, but anyway, you know, he, he brought me up with a very worldly, very distorted view of manhood, you know, drunkenness and partying and womanizing and gambling and fighting and you know and he, he was proud of all that and he really you know I was his firstborn son so of course I got to carry on the family tradition you know and uh, and then of course I come face to face with the living God and now I have a new dad I have a heavenly father and of course he has to undo <laughs> he has to undo uh, all that stinking thinking and perverted, you know, worldview on manhood. And, of course, it was through being saved. It was through getting married. And it was through having children uh, that God began to change me and transform my life. And I began to understand what truly a manhood uh, is all about as God has ordained. And I'm going to say a bad word in today's circle, but patriarchy, right? You know, um, that's, uh, <laughs> that's God's ordained government, uh, you know, in the home and in the family. And uh, I know the world hates it. I know the church tries to distance itself from it, but that, that's God's order. Uh, in the home and I'm not ashamed of that and I'm not going to throw it under the bus to be at peace with the spirit of the age that cries out down with patriarchy a lot of times this enemy knows the battle a lot better than we do just listen what comes out of your mouth you might get some revelation here so that was a huge another major lesson in my life because you know you know when I got married I I was a Christian. I was in full-time ministry. You know, I thought I was a spiritual giant. And then, oh boy, did I have a wake-up call. Did I have a reality check? I didn't know what it meant to be a man. I didn't know what it meant to be a husband. I didn't know what it meant to be a father. And I do, to this day, apologize to my older children because in a lot of ways, I had to learn these things at their expense. Now, my younger children are the beneficiary of that, but, um, but yeah, it, God was faithful, you know, he, he took me through the paces, he took me into his woodshed, beat the crap out of me, you know, <laughs> man up, son, man up, right, and uh, so really, really important lesson. Um, the next big lesson really centers on the virtue of patience. Um, being a raw individual coming from my background, I was a very quick-tempered, angry man. Um, had a short fuse. It was very explosive. It was nuclear. Um, so, you know, patience, even as a Christian man, was not one of my virtues um i had a it was very explosive and it did a lot of damage not only to myself but to a lot of people even people that i loved 
and uh, my early life would be like, man, if I even think somebody's plotting on me or, you know, evil intent or, or messes with me the wrong way, it's like full force nuclear. I would explode and then bodies would just be mangled. And, uh, you know, and then I'd go from this explosive rage to then collapsing, looking at the damage I'd done and so much remorse and regret would hit me and I, I couldn't stop it. There was a monster inside of me. And, uh, man, and I hated myself. I hated myself, you know. And then even, you know, when I became a Christian and the Lord took care of some of that, you know, I still lacked a lot of patience uh, in life. And I can remember um, a Jewish brother who, who went to be with the Lord. He was my roommate back in California when God was dealing with me. He gave me this word, and it's it's so true. This is uh, James 1 uh two through four and it says my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing and i'll be honest with you there's a few things that the Lord used to establish patience in my life. One was definitely marriage, you know, a wife, children, you know, uh, you, you know, the scripture, the scripture says, be angry, but don't sin. Right. And so, you know, as men, if we got some testosterone left, we're angry. Right. But we got to be angry for the right reasons. Right. Um, not angry because our wife and children interrupt, you know, what we want to do. Right. Um, there is righteous indignation, but God used that. But the main thing that the Lord used, and I think humorously about writing a book, you know, how to gain patience, right? Write a book on patience. So this is what you do. Uh, you start in San Clemente, California, and you walk across America dragging a donkey or a donkey dragging you. And so, you know, that literally happened in 2004. We did this walk across America, and and I walked this donkey, Mercy, across America, and that beast almost killed me so many times, kicked me three times. I mean, I had a love-hate relationship with this donkey. The fact that I'm still here, it, seriously, is like God saving miraculous power because it was intense. But I will tell you, <clears throat> when I came home, this was so humorous. This is my first wife was still alive, Liz. I'm lying in the bedroom, and she comes walking in. She's like, you changed. You changed. And I'm going, what? What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? You're, you're like, you're patient. <laughs> and I said, well, honey, you know. You could thank that donkey because uh, it knocked the impatience right out of me. And so that was, you know, that was an important lesson in life. You know what I mean? Uh, to learn patience. And, and it's, it's, it's really important even when it comes to things in life because the Bible said it's through faith and patience we inherit the promise. And most of us, you know, we're, wave, we're, we're raised in this microwave generation where we're tapping our toe, you know, waiting for the microwave to get done. Um, a lot of us, uh, we do not necessarily possess that virtue, but it is an important one. And this kind of leads into a really an another important lesson. And this is for men. I'm speaking to men right now, especially to men. Okay, and this took me a long time to master or even to be aware of this situation in my mind. Um, too many of us, especially men, we don't grow up very well emotionally. Like we're all screwed up. <laughs> Either A, we show no emotion and we bottle it and then it just tears us up inside and we become all neurotic and crazy and you know, or, you know, we wear our emotions on a sleeve and they guide us. And, you know, God didn't give us emotions to lead us, but they are uh, necessary release, you know, release valves, uh, relieve pressure, 
uh, in our life. There is a purpose for emotions, you know, uh, and they're meant to follow, not lead, that's for sure. But the point I'm getting across here is, you know, in this battle, we have gone through like intense, insane, crazy stuff, a lot of a lot of loss, a lot of deprivation, a lot of uh, struggle, um, a lot of sorrow, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. And growing up as a man, even in my, my, my maturing years, for somehow, some way, I would, I would allow the stress and the pressure sort of to guide my life and what i began to notice was when i did that like there were like precious moments like god ordained moments that god had given to me to enjoy but the stress and the pressure was robbing me of these god-given moments and i remember the day the moment when it finally came to my mind like what are you doing thomas here is something so precious such a goodness from god and what's controlling your mind the stress the pressure right to the point you can't even enjoy this thing and i'm sure men you can understand what the heck i'm saying to you right now the problem is most men don't catch it they, they never do they never catch it they'll die you know going to their grave allowing stress and pressure rob them from what the Lord has blessed them with. And so I made a conscious decision. Once I became aware of the, how this works, okay then, that's reality. So Thomas, you take that stress and pressure. It will be there tomorrow. It will be greeting you as Jesus told us, right? You know, grace for today right tomorrow has its own problems its own troubles right they'll be they'll still be waiting for you but just set it aside so you can look your family or your friends or whatever you're doing in the eye and actually enjoy it so many men get ripped off and they don't realize that so that was uh, that was a huge uh, lesson uh, in life so we're coming in on number seven so um, yeah probably another great lesson is the lessons I learned about the battle right and there's two battlefronts the, the battle that rages from within and the battle that rages from without and I got to tell you, brothers and sisters, the battle that rages from without, that's that's pretty simple. That's pretty easy. You know, you have the usual suspects, the government, the pro-aborts, the sodomites, the transgendered people, you know, uh, the apostate church, the, you know, the corrupt government, you know, the hostile media. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you stand up for Christ and, and advance his kingdom, yeah, you know, the battle rages, right? And I get that, and that's to be expected. But I got to tell you, the, 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 the part of the battle that at least personally took its toll on me as far at, at a heart level uh, is the battle that raged from within because um, it uh, tore up like precious relationships, uh, you know, brothers and sisters in the Lord that I love and you know, the enemy just got in there, separate, divide, conquer, right? And then we're engaging each other with our swords instead of the enemy. And, you know, and he just uses that to destroy the work, tear up the lambs. You know what I mean? Bring faction, bring division. And probably uh, throughout my life, the most of the time when I had sleepless nights, watchings where my heart, was just broke uh, what came from the battle from within. Um, I'm just one of those guys, listen, I, you know, I'm not a, you know, I, I, I typically, uh, when I do something, I put my whole being into it, my whole heart into it. 
I, I pretty much don't half step on anything in life. So yeah, it's um it's risky business, you know, it really is. And um and somehow through that all, um, and this is just the goodness of God, I've been able uh, to maintain that same kind of heart, that same kind of passion, because my choices were A, um, build up a defense mechanism that protects my heart from betrayal and attack and misunderstanding and disloyalty and betrayal and slander and assuming the worst and false accusations. Yeah, I could, I could build up that defense mechanism in my heart, but I've seen so many men do that and become so cynical and so skeptical, you know, and honestly, brothers and sisters, I, I'd rather still put my heart at risk. So at least I can feel, uh, than to defend it to the point where you're numb. Right. So love is always risky business, brothers and sisters. So, you know, that was a, that was a, a big lesson uh, in life that I've learned. Um, you know, I think uh, I think it's in the Song of Solomon where it invites, the, you know, the, I think the bride invites the husband into the garden. But, yeah, you can come in, but don't bring your friends. You know what I mean? And a lot of us, that's the way we view the church, right? Lord, you can come in, but, you know, leave the other Christians out because they, they, they screw me up. They mess me up. Um, but, you know, it's like marriage. You know, church is like a marriage. You know, you, you're thrown into this crucible and you got to learn how to play nice in the sandbox with other brothers and sisters, right? Um, we're going to be together forever, so we probably should learn that lesson here and now. So anyway, that's uh, that was a big, important lesson. And, um, and that kind of leads into um, a big, another lesson. We're on number eight, and that's how do we respond to, like, false accusation and being attacked for righteousness' sake, right? So, you know, one of the lessons I've always taught my children uh, is not, it's not the attack, right? It's not the persecution. It's not the lies. It's not the slander. You know, it's even not the failure or the sin. That's really majorly important. It's how we respond to these things that makes all the difference in the world between victory and defeat. And so, you know, obviously when you fight this battle, and if you've been in this battle for any length of time, you know the incessant attacks, you know, uh, from the enemies of the Lord, the enemies of the cross, right? And so, you know, they slander, they threaten, they, you know, spread false accusations, they put you in the worst possible light. I mean, my enemies have always had a field day, right? Of taking messages that I've done and splice it and dice it, you know, to make me look like I'm an uh, insurrectionist, a Nazi, a white supremacist, you know what I mean? And of course they accuse you of uh, being a pedophile and on and on like this. This is going to put you in the worst possible light. And so, you know, how do you deal with that? You know, and, you know, God's been so good to me in that regard because I, I tell these people, Listen, you know what you're saying? It, that, it's a lie. That's, that, that's false. But you know what? It's not even close to the things that I was actually guilty of, you know, as a person. And my Lord graciously forgave me. And so, you know, who am I to complain? You know, I, I've had enough actual sins and failures and mistakes and disappointments. You know, that Lord, you know, when I repented me, you know, repented, he, he showed me mercy and forgave me. So, like, who am I to complain, right? I, I know and God knows what you're saying is false. And again, that doesn't even come close, you know, to my actual sins and failures before God. And he mercifully forgave us. And, and this also, brothers and sisters, it also relates to the praise of men. You know, I call persecution and praise of men two imposters. And I don't, I, I don't put a whole lot of merit in either one. 
because I know who I am and I know God knows who I am and he loves me and he has forgiven me anyway and I'm eternally grateful for that but it's also when it comes to the praise of men you know so many people want to put you on a pedestal call you a hero listen don't believe your own press brothers and sisters don't fall for it don't do it because if the enemy can't get you going bad through overt sin he'll get you going through you know doing good right self-righteousness you know spiritual pride and then we fall into the trap of comparisons and when you compare you know paul said that's that's unwise right because they're either putting some person on a pedestal and putting yourself down or you're putting yourself on the pedestal and putting other people down both are sinful both are wrong and it's unwise don't fall for it brothers and sisters you know it's like the apostle paul he said you know i, I he, he, we take that phrase, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and sometimes we don't put it in the context, you know, where he talks about, I know how to abound, and I know how to be abased. You know, I, I know how what it is to, you know, to live in a way that's, you know, maybe prospering, but I also know how to live when when I'm struggling, you know, when when we're suffering a little deprivation or or something, you know, of this nature. And here's what the apostle Paul said. He said, "None of these things move me." Well, what moves you? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, so brothers and sisters, that's that's a really important uh, lesson. Uh, we got two more, and I pray this uh, blesses you. So most of you know that um, the last four or five years, it's it's interesting because early uh, in our marriage, my first wife and Christian ministry, you know, being in, involved in the battle to abolish abortion, you know, we opened up our home to unwed mothers and babies you know so we really the, like the first half of my married life uh, it was more uh, concentrating on the beginning of life uh, to help babies not just to say that abortion was wrong and condemn it but to light a candle and actually help these these women and these children right because that's you know it's a full orbed christian response to the Holocaust, right? Uh, we got to prophetically, you know, obviously deal with it, but there also needs to be mercy ministries, you know, because that gives us credibility, you know, he who serves leads, and that's a good way to, to live our lives as an honor to Christ and the benefit of others. But I, I will tell you this, uh, brothers and sisters, the last four or five years, you know, our family has suffered a lot of loss, you know, uh, uh, you know, a few years ago, it was my first wife, you know, uh, Liz, you know, she went home to be with the Lord, you know, had 10 kids to raise. And obviously that we suffered a huge loss there. And God brought beauty from ashes by blessing me with my second wife, Kendra. And God brought a lot of healing and made us whole again. Uh, so grateful for that. Uh, but the last four or five years, you know, we've lost uh, two children, lost my son-in-law, and uh, and we're caring for, like, Kendra's mom, uh, Nana. And so, you know, the last four or five years, you know, we've been dealing with the sick, the dying, and the perishing. Now, the Christian ethic remains the same, right? You know, we, we care for human life. Uh, at the beginning and also at the end we need to be consistent you know in our christian witness and service to god and to others so you know um so obviously we've learned a lot about suffering about loss about sorrow and you know we've learned some obvious lessons uh through that and i and i and i think uh, uh, one of the reasons why i get contacted a lot personally like through email private message or phone calls is the world and i'm talking about i hear from people all over the world the world knows some of what we have been through 
what we have suffered through, the thing that amazes them is that we have kept our faith intact um, through those struggles. In other words, we didn't take up our marbles and go home. We didn't raise our fist to the heavens and, you know, falsely accuse God or blame God or anything like that. Now, we're still human. You know, we we felt the sting of it. You know, we felt the pain, the hurt, the loss, the sorrow. But instead of it driving us away from God, it drove us more towards him. And, uh, you know, of course, he, he's good and his Holy Spirit brings comfort. But there's a lot of lessons that we have learned that has benefited others, you know. And obviously, I, I kind of have studied Job a lot <laughs> to learn, you know, some of those lessons. Like, you know, uh, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, you know. And yeah, you know, it's easy to say, bless the Lord when he's blessing you and giving you, you know, but for some reason, it's a lot harder, kind of get stuck in your throat to bless him, you know, when he takes away. That's hard, right? But I think, you know, a part of our Christian education is not complete until we reach that stage that Job did, you know, though you slay me, you know what, Father? I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to praise you. I'm still going to serve you, right? And so, you know, that has been uh, a really big lesson, you know, that the Lord has, has blessed us with. Um, and I know that it has benefited so many. And, and then even brothers and sisters, when they contact me, you know, a lot of times I don't try to give them a pat answer, right? Because, you know, that doesn't help. Sometimes the best thing you can do when people are going through a difficult time and having sorrow and pain and they're working through, you know, a listening ear, right? A listening ear, you know, a shoulder to cry on, you know, a hug, you know, um, just, just being there for people, right? So they can vent and pour out their sorrow and they know that, you know, somebody's there for them. And because the thing you, you need to understand biblically and scripturally, God doesn't waste anything in our life. The good, the bad, the ugly, the trial, the air, the blood, sweat, and tears. He wastes nothing when it's submitted to him. And the Bible says once we come through on the other side, that God can use it as a consolation unto others. And that is a huge lesson, you know, we have learned in this life. And so I'm going to conclude, brothers and sisters, uh, this particular podcast with the last, the last one, the 10th one. It's not so much a lesson. I guess it is a lesson, but this is a lesson that actually pertains to the future. And so I know, you know, by the Lord, all these lessons that he, have, he has taught me, all the things he's imparted into my life and, and how he has used them in and through my life to prayerfully bless him and bless others. Um, I know, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 67. I, I don't know how many more days or weeks or months or years that the Lord has remaining for me but I gotta tell you there's such a deep uh, longing a deep desire uh, to end well for my Lord and um, and I do believe the Lord's given me uh, two last assignments like kingdom assignments uh, number one is to make sure my family is taken care of after I depart after I shuffle off this mortal coil uh, I believe I've laid up a godly heritage for them um, but I you know the scripture says that a good man you know lays up an inheritance for his children and his grandchildren and he's that's not talking spiritual here he's talking material he's talking financial and so um, really um, I'm late coming to this 
that I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm getting to work uh, to provide that for my family. I know to end well with the Lord. This is something I must do. Uh, B, uh, that is to take everything the Lord has deposited, all these hard lessons that I have learned through life, and to make sure I pass them faithfully to the generation coming up and the generations that are yet to come. And so this podcast is one of the ways uh, I'm praying that that can be accomplished. Uh, the other thing, of course, is we got the online school, the Kingdom Leadership Institute, and then uh, the start of this new work in Florida, uh, the American Reformation Church, of course, our missionary work and the writing ministry. So anyway, brothers and sisters, and I'm sorry, there's something going off on this computer that's really strange. But uh, anyway, this is something that um, I know the Lord uh, has called me to do. And I, I just pray that you, uh, first of all, benefit by the things I shared with you today. But would you also pray for us? You know, as a family, as a ministry, as we go on this next great adventure, so we are literally uprooting, packing up our family and starting over in Florida uh, on this next kingdom adventure to start this church, the American Reformation Church. So anyway, that's it for this episode, brothers and sisters. I pray it was a benefit to you that you learned something, that it gave you some wisdom. And uh, you keep pressing on to that high call and prize in Jesus' name. God bless you. Till next time.